Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! It's the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. He talks to me. Race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past week in racing. Joining me in the studio, Louise Torres and Richard Uden. Guys, how we doing? Good, thank you. Pretty splendid. Pretty splendid, right. And speaking of splendid, Scott Dixon won his sixth IndyCar Championship this past weekend. And we like to devote the first bit of the show to uh, 2020 in review for the IndyCar series uh, because that season is now over. It's definitely been one of the most different and most interesting seasons uh, in IndyCar racing. But again, you know, that's been all of sports this year. Everybody is trying to uh, cope with the the differences in the COVID and, and, you know, can we have fans? Can we not have fans? Can we, can we travel here? Can we not travel there? So uh, IndyCar managed to scrape out a 14 race season. Over the course of 141 days, uh, we had uh, only visited seven different venues. We had uh, double headers in a lot of places. We visited the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on three different dates. Uh, but at, at the end of the year, it's not a very different story with Scott Dixon taking title number six, uh, but not without a, a staunch um, challenge from uh, Joseph Newgarden, who came on strong at the end of the year. Now, if you recall, uh, Dixon, you know, railed off three wins to start the season. Uh, but Dixon's come on strong. Um, I'm sorry, Newgarden's come on strong. Dixon stumbled a bit. But but at the end of the day, um, Joseph did everything he needed to do in St. Pete, which should have, been, should have been the season opener, but was the season closer. Um, won the race, but uh, Dixon finished on the podium and uh, took home that championship. So, uh, Louise, I know you watched this race. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about it a little bit because it was a very interesting race. A lot of odd things happened in there. For sure, and a lot of those odd things happened to the, more in particular the two guys that just could not get any luck going until the final few bit of races where you saw a willpower and Alexander Rossi finally put on superb results of where they belong. They both had it, their own problems. Power started on the pole. He led, and then he was out of the race all of a sudden. And then from there, it just built up the craziness and the chaos, like Steve Latart always tends to say, chaos, with the weather being a, con- a woeful concern. You had the pace car running out of fuel. You had guys that are trying to save their careers. Their days were over, like Oliver Askew, whose tenure at McLaren ended pretty much like the second half has been just disastrous. And then you have guys like Pato Award, 
who was right up in the mix but just could not catch Joseph when it mattered most. And in the end, it was New Garden who equaled Scott Dixon with four wins apiece to wrap up this season and a valiant, valiant second-half effort. And speaking of other guys that that had high hopes, uh, Scott McLaughlin, who had a who had a tremendous pace in practice, was just trying to adapt from these type of cars, just kind of bit him ultimately, and he ended up having a, a, an exit. But nonetheless, he felt he was satisfied in a way to get an IndyCar start, because remember, he was supposed to debut in the, in the GMR Grand Prix in the month of May before everything went down with, with the virus and everything. So overall, it was quite the wild race that we saw the guys that did really well all throughout the year do good, and the ones that just had bad luck just continued to have bad luck, and it ended that way. Even Colton Hertz, uh, who finished third, hang on to it. It was still not a great day. He finished 11th, whereas like a team that struggled all season long for the most part had one of their highest points with Sebastian Bourdais finishing fourth. It kind of shows the how masterful Board is the same piece no matter what team he drives. Yeah, and it's, it's funny the whole St. Pete was St. Pete race was a bit of a microcosm of the Andretti Autosports season. You know, a, a lot of promise, a lot of good stuff. Those guys were dynamite in qualifying. You know, they, they were dynamite in practice. You had a uh, you know Hinchcliffe started near the front. Marco was uh, not at the very back like you usually expect him. Hunter Ray was in the mix. Rossi was right up there near the front. Uh, but at the at the end of the day. None of these guys, none of these guys were in the mix. You know, Rossi led several laps on the day, ended up in the wall. Uh, Marco was trying to desperately move up one position in the point standings in order to get that leader circle money, end up getting, well, he got satoed, right? Got, got a little mm-hmm. tangled, got uh, mix, mixed up in uh, Takuma Sato's mess there. Ended up missing, uh, you know, the uh, million-dollar leader circle money That's uh the team will be sorely trying to replace that. So, uh, yeah, horrible season over overall for the uh, Andretti team, other than Colton Herta, of course, who is the uh, the bright spot of that team. He's the, the future of that team, in my mind, unless, uh, you know, Penske's going to snatch him up when uh, a contract year comes up. But uh, Alexander Rossi, who's showed so much promise year after year as a championship contender, once again comes up short. And uh, it was very, very disappointed. Over. Very disappointed. It was honestly over before it even started. Remember, at Texas, the car just did not go, and that kind of symbolized everything that went down. Since he joined the IndyCar Series in 2016, he has won at least one race a year. This year, none. I think, if I recall, he barely hanged on to that top ten in the championship trail, and it was ahead of Felix Rosenquist, who finished, even though he had that one win in America, he finished outside the top ten. Which is, a, which you consider a very disappointing season in that hindsight, because Rosenquist Ro- 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 did great. Rossi, for what helped them is getting that strong sec- set of races at Mid Ohio and the Harvest Grand Prix. If it wasn't for that, I'd imagine Rossi would be much lower in that trail. Yeah, certainly. So let's uh, let's just kind of review some of the the highlights of the season. You know, obviously we talked about the uh, uh, the season started off at Texas with no fans. Uh, Dixon ripped off three wins in a row. Uh, race four, Rosenquist won. Uh, and, and then from there, you know, the other winners this year included Takuma Sato, who became a two-time Indy 500 winner. Um, then, you know, like everything else, he still still can't get the respect. Uh, here at the end of the year, we're talking about uh, people getting Sato'd again and, and about the 
oh, you know, I've heard people call it dumb decisions that he makes. Uh, I don't know if they're dumb decisions or if you prefer to call them aggressive moves. But um, I, certainly the Indianapolis 500 was his day in the sun, uh, albeit with no fans. But he was uh, spot on all day long, right there when it mattered, holding off Dixon. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we had the anticlimactic finish with the um, with the yellow there. But um, Richard, you've been quiet, and you're uh, you're old buddies with Sato. Uh, but I know uh, you don't want to spend all your time talking about Sato. But what are your some of your impressions? of uh the 2020 season uh, i think they did a great job at um as as a lot of sports have done and we've spoken about before you know reacting to this uh 2020 and uh, everything that it's thrown at us all but uh you know they've got to take credit for there and i think the um you know outside of the driver performances um you know, the, the news that NBC had seen a two, I think it was a 2% uptick in viewership is, is great for the sport, um, especially some of the smaller teams who are going to be going out looking for sponsorship and looking for companies to back them in the next few years. You know, if that trend continues, then uh, it's going to make the sport far more viable. Um, so, yeah, I think it was, I think it's been a really, really good year and, you know, the driving's been good. I think the, you know, some of the up and coming kids that you expect, like the Colton Herthers that we mentioned earlier, um, Pato Award, you know, been very, very impressive. Um, and, you know, probably still a little bit of disappointment by some of the more experienced drivers, you know. Uh, I, there's two that I always stick out to me that I think struggle a little bit and you wonder where the next step in the sport is. But uh, Graham Rahal and Marco Andretti, I think, are, you know, competent drivers, but I really think, you know, um, Marco needs to look at what he's bringing to that team. And, uh, you know, similar, I know it's family business and everything, but uh, sometimes those hard questions have to be asked. Yeah, Marco was, uh, I mean, he's been a bit of a disappointment over the years. He has had flashes of brilliance, but this year was a, a total throwaway for him. Yeah, I want to say he, yeah. finished, he finished outside of the top 21, so there's no, uh, you know, there's no leader circle money for him. I want to say he finished last in points amongst full-time drivers. Is that correct, uh-huh. Louise? I would have been awfully surprised considering he had more last place finishes than anybody uh, of the entire grid. And if it was if Brock Beard was here and I keep track of the IndyCar last place finishes, he would have been the little last place champion of that regard. It's been a disappointment. Since you thought that maybe the Indianapolis 500 would be a change, a dramatic change by winning the poll. He was non-factor. He's been a disappointment for the last several years, which is kind of a shame because you expect him to be right up there consistently good on the ovals and some of the other tracks he's ran for a long time but this year he's just like the year before a complete afterthought you mentioned Graham Rahal Rahal has pace he has strong cars it's just a couple times the strategy didn't work out the pits pit crew flopped in some aspect like making mistakes it's like with Rahal you feel like he's could be there but it's kind of like similar with Bourdais in the last several years there but one bad rut puts him out of contention and to add on on this appointment Simon Pagano is another one when we talk about new guard we talk about power Pagano has kind of like been the complete most afterthought driver of the Penske bunch even with one start Scott McLaughlin he brought more noise than Pagano this entire season and you may, and you well, may Pat, wonder Simon won a race this year 
Well, besides that, besides okay, that, besides that, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that, that puts some, you know, at least at least Felix. that over Graham and Marco. Yeah, he's, Iowa, yeah, he's got that Iowa win, but like with Felix, after their wins, it's just been completely MIA for the most part. That's yeah. why I'm trying to get my point across. So. Right. So let's that. let's real quick talk about the um, one of the mo- most uh, you know highly anticipated teams joining the series full time, which would be the. Uh, Arrow, McLaren, Schmidt, Peterson um, effort, and uh, at, at the end of the day, we had Pot Ward finished. Uh, was it fourth in points for the year? Yep, he got fourth. Just he five, got he got fourth. Five, yeah, so this is a uh, this is a team that some folks wanted to see them fail. We had folks that wanted to see them fail because of the whole Hinchcliffe thing, right? Um, so, but I, you know that that being cast aside, they hired two two young guys. Uh, two guys out of uh, that came through the uh, the Indy Lights and the Road to Indy Ladder series. Okay, highly touted. Um, a lot of folks questioned the decision to have you know two really young guys in there. One guy a straight up rookie, and then Pato, who uh, had uh, seven or eight starts to his credit last year in um, in Carlin cars. Um, so, but at the end of the day, they were competitive week in and week out. They weren't. Winning left and right, but uh, I think Pato had three podiums. Um, Askew got a podium. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Askew lost his job at the end of the year. But Pato certainly, his season after the um, disappointment he suffered last year, you know, with the anticipation of going in with a full-time ride with the Harding-Steinbrenner team, having that fall through, getting a part-time gig with the Carlin team, uh, trying to make the best of that, being signed as a Red Bull junior driver, having that fall through, the McLaren thing comes back to him, and now he's made the best of this and uh, really uh, finishing off top. And there have been some fantastic uh, uh, quotes out there from some of his competitors, including Scott Dixon, who said Pottle's one of the best guys on the track. Yeah, it's it's a complete 180 of a season for Pato. And just not just the season of his entire career, because it looked like after the whole Super Formula thing didn't pan out, he had the one weekend where he ran a Formula 2 race. It seems like we're going to lose that great talent that I feel like Mexico needs once Paris's time comes, whether it's Formula 1 or IndyCar or vice versa. You need someone from Mexico to kind of root on, not just because my heritage are from that country, albeit I was U.S. born and all, but... It's good to see somebody like him that is passionate, driven, fast, and can get the job done. Not to discredit Askew, he's gotten the job done up until the Indianapolis Firearm where things went off the rails, and ultimately now he's a free agent with an unknown path whether or not he'll have an Indy car right in 21. But he's done a phenomenal job. He knows what he's doing. He overcomes adversity. And I would not be awfully surprised if he, if he gets that elusive win in 21. I feel like expectations are real high next season to get that win, and maybe – be that guy that could stop the Penske and the Ganassis on a consistent basis. Yeah, certainly. I think Pato was one of the great talents, and he's like he's right up there with Colton Herta as as somebody who has really come out of the road to Indy series with a serious future ahead of him in the in the series. And we've seen too many guys that have you know come out of Indy Lights and just kind of fizzled in the IndyCar series. You know, we had um, Ed Jones and Gabby Chavez. Um, a few other guys, Spencer, who's, Piggott. Spencer Piggott, yeah, Spencer, uh, who still, yeah, Spencer wasn't horrible, but he, he never really, no. he, he was never really. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Really spectacular, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, compare him to what BK was able to do in his rookie season, it's a night and day difference. Oh, for sure, for sure, yeah. Yeah, so, and VK, of course, took home Rookie of the Year honors. He is signed again with uh, Ed Carpenter for next year. <laughs> so that's uh, that's good that he's uh, going to get a second year under his belt. And speaking of uh, back to the McLaren team there, so Askew is out. Uh, we've known that for a bit. Uh, but they, um, Felix Rosenquist is moving over from Ganassi to uh, join the McLaren team. So, Richard, what are your thoughts of that pairing now? Um, certainly, Rosenquist has, he's got two years under his belt in IndyCar, but, uh, you know, prior to IndyCar, he's a pretty darn experienced guy. He's not, he's not a, you know, he's not, he's, a, rookie, he's not a, yeah, a, a rookie. He's not a youngster. He's not a guy you know, on his way up the ladder. He's a very established driver from, uh, you know, other series that he's running. So how do you like this so. pairing of, um, you know, Felix and uh, Pato? I, mean, I think it's it's, it's going to be, um, you know, something that McLaren need a little bit of experience there, need a little bit of solidity, um, you know, bringing Pato through. I think, you know, he's, he's going to be the... You know, he may be the guy that, you know, is there in three, four, five years' time as they obviously look to progress. I mean, at the end of the day, McLaren are there to win. You know, McLaren don't do these sort of things to um, make it the numbers. So they're going to be certainly there for the long run. And I think it's uh, I think it's good for them. Um, I think they've got a solid driver lineup, nothing spectacular, nothing crazy in terms of budget. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a good, solid foundation for them to build on. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a team I'm excited to... Uh... Uh, you know, watch next year. And, and this is one that could, you know, develop into a bit of a, uh, you know, team rivalry where we see, uh, you know, teammates going toe-to-toe with one another, um, you know, rather than, you know, some of the other, some of the other teammate matchups have been a little, uh, you know, a little too polite, you know, but I, I think yeah, these and I'm not, so I'm not saying these guys won't be polite with one another, but I, you know, I, I kind of envision where, uh, you know, like, like, like a Dixon and, a Dixon and um, Frankiti kind of thing, where where the both guys are consistently winning, and um, just having a great time with it, having a great rivalry. Yeah, for sure. And and Felix is one that can be vocal on a lot on some things when it doesn't pan out. Look at Laguna Seca last year; he was very very vocal on a lot of qualifying and the rules and all that happened. So having a guy that isn't doesn't shy away from things could bring some stability, maybe a little bit of a baggage to a degree. But when it comes to personality, it's something that you need sometimes. Someone that 
isn't afraid to say how he really feels about certain concepts because we don't really have that much other than willpower on a frequent basis. Yeah, but um, the other thing about Felix is there's there's a little speculation as to why he would leave Chip Ganassi's stable. And there's a few different theories out there. Uh, theory number one, of course, is that uh, uh, NTT, you know, being that they're the series sponsor now, is going to pull their backing away from uh, from the the you know the number ten car. And so uh, he was looking for a funded driver. Now Alex Pillow signed today uh, to drive that car. Now Alex is uh, drove for Coin this year. He had a pretty fine rookie season. Got a podium early on. Um, the rest of the year he was always strong in qualifying, uh, but he just uh, you know I don't know if it's all him or the team or whatnot, but uh, failed to capitalize a lot during the rest of the year. But he was always strong in qualifying. So now he's. Um, you know, moving up in the world from a coin car to a, a Ganassi car, uh, and he's bringing some funding along. So that's you know, theory number one. Theory number two is that Chip Ganassi offered um, Felix a pretty lowball offer of a salary uh, that Felix felt should have been a little more, particularly considering he won a race for the team this year. So he sought to look elsewhere, and then when McLaren heard that uh, Felix was available, uh, you know, that kind of coincided with them, you know, cutting ties with uh, with Oliver Askew, and uh, then that was the match made in heaven. Uh, Felix's other option was to, uh, uh, you know, go back overseas and, and, and race in, in Formula E. So, um, Which would be where he was before moving the IndyCar, to my knowledge. He was, like, very, really, if I recall, Richard, he was very, very successful in Formula E, right? He's been a successful driver pretty much wherever he's been. Um, right, because he, yeah. he ran, what, uh, he was in DTM for a while, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the same series that... Uh, same as uh, Wickens. Robert Wickens, yeah, yep, Wickens. Robert Wickens, right, certainly, so. Well, All right, yeah. so that's good. That's going to be a, a good pairing, um, you know, next year at McLaren. Um, I think uh, Palou at Ganassi, the jury's out, we'll have to see... Again, you know, at the end of the day, the Ganassi team is built around Scott Dixon. It has been since Dario retired. Um, the fact that Felix has been pretty competitive in the car is is encouraging for yeah. encouraging for Palou. Uh, at the same time, Marcus Erickson is back in the car again. He had a pretty good campaign this year. Nothing crazy, nothing spectacular, but uh, you know, nothing horrible. He himself yeah. out of trouble, which was exactly, yeah. for him. Yeah, I mean, bringing the car home in one piece with a decent points-paying day is something that, a, uh, you know, most team owners are not going to not gonna give you a, a lot of crap over. So, uh, and Marcus yeah. has signed for another year, so so Ganassi is going to be four cars strong next year, right? With that fourth car being Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, with the Carvana. With Carvana, deal. yeah, Carvana. So I, Carvana, for you folks unfamiliar with them, they're a uh, a brand new sponsor to auto racing. They've not sponsored uh, any cars yet, but that's that's the online dealer. They have the giant car vending machines. I, I don't know if you've ever been to uh, uh, the, some of the major cities that have those, but uh, you know you see them in the commercial and you wonder, oh, is that thing real or that's just something they made for the commercial? No, they had these crazy car vending machines. I seen one. I saw one down in Nashville, right? And and, and, McQuay, and they give you like a giant coin. You put the the coin in the thing, and then your your car is brought down on hydraulic jacks. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's clever. It's cute. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a gimmick. Does it take quarters. 
No, no, you have to have the giant coin. Because, you know, my, my question with the Carvana vending machine is like, you know, like if you go to the vending machine in the hotel lobby, you want to buy a Snickers bar or a bag of chips, right? And if you're, when the little thing spins and, and the, thing, if the thing gets stuck, <laughs> if the thing gets stuck, you can just like pound it on the side and get your Snickers bar to drop down. I just wonder if you could do that with the Carvana machine. So... But that's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, a neat that's my that's, that's my joke for the day. But but at the end of the day, Carvana is a um, very uh, cash rich company at the moment. They are they sell cars online and they're doing well. So they're putting their backing yeah, behind. How much they sell the cars for? Yeah, cer- certainly. Yeah. So they're putting their backing behind uh, Jimmy Johnson uh, for the thirteen road course races. Now, the three oval races, that's up in the air. And everyone's name has been mentioned from, oh, you know, Tony Kanaan to uh, Elio Castro Neves to James Hinchcliffe to Oliver Askew. Um, and we'll just have a see at the end of the day who's going to take that car in the ovals. But uh, we got a pretty, pretty diverse lineup at Ganassi next year. And I know, Louise, you wrote a piece about it, so I'll let you uh, pontificate on this uh, thought a bit. Yeah, it's a very interesting driver combo because you have – Two of the best racing drive, one of, of <clears throat> two of the best racing drivers from multiple di- from different disciplines, with Dixon being a six-time champion and Johnson being a seven-time Cup champion. But Johnson is one of only two official rookies in this season, with McLaughlin being the other one. And then on the other end, you have Marcus Erickson, who is slowly getting into the gist of IndyCar competition, who will be entering his third year. He hasn't fully shown what he's capable of when he's put in the situation to win, but he's been very serviceable. With Alex Pelot, I honestly like this ordeal, and I do have very high expectations for him to not just have a superb season to showcase. He's more than just a qualifying guy, but go out there and win races to be probably the guy for Ganassi in the future. And Ganassi, Ganassi is no slouch when it comes to these foreign drivers, as I mentioned in my article Look at Dixie. He picked up Dixon when Pac West was in shambles. He gave Montoya an opportunity. Gave Alex Zanardi a career after dwindling F1 stint. The first one, that is. The second one wasn't any better, but you get the point. But will the question be, will he be a Zanardi, Montoya, and Dixon, or a Nicholas Manassian, Darren Manning? (laughs) Nicholas Manassian. I haven't heard that name since 2000. It could go either way, but I don't feel I don't feel like Pillow will, will fall in the Manning and those guys. I think he's going to be right up there, competing right away. It's just a matter of can he show it on race day, which you mentioned it earlier. He hasn't had the results besides the one podium, but he's been quick. And sometimes those Dale Coin guys, when they're given an opportunity at a higher tier car, they go out swinging. Yeah, well, the other thing you need to consider is there's going to come a time. When Scott Dixon's gonna say, "Hey, I'm done," right? He's a, he's a 40, right? And, and, and I, I think I believe he publicly said he feels like he can go for about five more years. Um, and and he may in fact do that. He could probably win seven or eight championships if he could, you know, continue at his current pace. But uh, you know, we're getting to the point where you need to look to the future, so you can have Dixon mentor this young man. For, for a couple of seasons, then have him be the heir apparent to uh, Dixon's, you know, throne at Ganassi, you know, for lack of a better word. And, uh, you know, getting a, a young guy in there like that um, 
makes sense. It makes sense to me, you know. And, and you know, some folks are questioning the decision and or saying, it's, "Oh, it's only about the money because he's a ride buyer." But uh, he's he's a bit more than a ride buyer. You know, he's got some, he's got some talent. So yeah, you got to see those qualified sessions. I think it's difficult when it's out considering it's mostly through premium paid or paywall to see qualifying these days. So they may just see what he does during the race rather than what he can do with qualifying or a whole race weekend. Right. So uh, so let's talk about some of the other teams very briefly before we move on. Um, now, we talked about uh, Renus VK, who won Rookie of the Year honors. The guy got him a pole this year. He got him a podium. Um, and he's contracted next year to Ed Carpenter. We know Ed Carpenter's pretty good at developing guys, particularly when you uh, look at a certain Mr. Joseph Newgarden who uh, worked under Carpenter for a time. Uh, that dude that dude turned out okay, I think, right? He's still around, right? Yeah. Newgarden? Yeah, okay. Champion. Thought so. <laughs> Two-time champion. Uh, so the um, second car is up in the air. It was Connor Daly filling in on the uh, road courses. Um, Ed on the ovals. There's some speculation that you know Air Force slash Space Force slash you know military money may be interested in uh, the full season um, if Connor's in the car for the full season, uh, which would mean you know two full season cars for 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 Ed Carpenter Racing instead of this crazy nonsense where you have uh, you're splitting the seat time. Which really it puts you it puts you out of any contention to win a championship or to even contend for a championship when you're splitting the seat time with the one car. So maybe it's time for Ed to just decide, hey, I'll just run the ovals because hey, guess what? There's only three of them this year, and and enter three cars for those three races because he already enters an extra car for Indy. So you're only talking two more races to put an extra car in there. Or maybe Ed just wants to to go Indy only and be a full-time team owner. Richard, any thoughts on that? I know you've got some uh, some contacts and some friends over with Ed Carpenter, but uh, you hearing anything or no? Uh, nothing in concrete. I mean, obviously, they, they keep sort of, uh, you know, it, it, it's a sort of, it's, uh, they're a team, obviously, that wants to take a, take a step up, aren't they? You know, they want to go from, like, like you know, best the rest into, you know, competing with that um, big three, uh, team and you just think you know you you do wonder that question is Ed's sort of mentality for the way he wants to do the 500 holding them back a little bit you know um, get somebody in there full time to have that ride or uh, or, or what have you so uh, yeah I, I think that you know they're a good little team and they you know as you say they have a habit of bringing you know taking on board young drivers and developing them but it'd be nice to see if they could step up and start competing on a bit more of a consistent basis yeah, certainly, and uh, you know it's funny this this battle for best of the rest in um, you know in IndyCar. So you know the the top three have always been you know uh, since I don't think anybody besides uh, Ganassi, Penske, or Andretti has won a championship since 2002 when uh, Panther won, and then that that was the last time. So, but but, but this is kind of bounced back and forth between Carpenter, Rahal, Schmidt, Peterson. And all these guys have upped their game, and it, it's it, it's kind of like a chess match. They go back and forth, you know. I think uh, I think Ed lost a little momentum when they lost the Fuzzies vodka money, because um, if you look, but now see now they've got the Air Force money. But you know the other sponsor on that car, the Sonax and the um, 
the um, what's it called Auto Geek. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't think I, I, Auto Geek I, I, has been on the car for some time. Yeah, I, I, so I, I, Auto Geek is um, Tony George's business. Tony George, of course, is uh, Ed Carpenter's stepfather. So that's so that's family money yeah. again. So he he hasn't had the the big dollar sponsor since Fuzzy Zeller um, company decided to step away. The Air Force money is is adequate adequate enough to. Uh, you know, put the, put the logo on the car, but uh, if they were to up their involvement a bit, and again, you know, you get uh, these military sponsorships are, are, are really subject to disappearing very quickly. If you recall, the National Guard money um, mm-hmm. disappeared from both NASCAR and IndyCar very quickly um, as, you know, different administrations are in charge of uh, military money. So, but hopefully, you know, uh, VK can, uh, VK's got some, you know, some folks over in uh, the Netherlands, you might want to, you know, back them a little bit. So um, I think, you know, Carpenter's team has always had that potential, but they seem like they just can't get over that hump. You know, and it's and, – and then – Oh, for sure. And they, and they, That's been the Achilles heel. Yeah, I mean, they've won races, but they never contended for the championship. And I honestly think that two full-time cars would help them contend for the championship – you know, if they ever got over that hump, but but until you yeah. until you have the same driver in the same car for for all of the races, you're, you'll never contend for a championship. Yeah, it's just very difficult. It doesn't matter if it's any car, even as in any. It doesn't matter what discipline it is. You're just gonna have a hard time finding stability or compete for a championship if you keep having different drivers and different data and different resources. It does kind yeah. of get aggravating for a long while. You need that continuity. And I think with IndyCar, you see Andretti and Penske have continuity. Ganassi, not so much, aside from Dixon, considering how many drivers have came and went the past decade. And how many times a third car or a four car at times come and go. Yeah. And speaking of uh, teams with absolutely no continuity, um, let's talk about the uh, Dale Coyne team. So... I, I felt that going into this season, I had high hopes for Santino. And he was absolutely underwhelming all season long. Yeah. I think, he, I think he, it further shows that Michael Cannon played a big role on that success and the pace-wise. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's no there's no doubt that uh, the loss of Michael Cannon and um, um, Craig Hampson from the coin team has hurt them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I was, I just, you know, I felt like Santino was totally underwhelming. Now I'm not sure if he's, uh, going to be in, in the frame to sign with Ganassi again. Obviously he's still got the Clydell money. That's, uh, that's not his family money, but it's, uh, uh, a friend of the family who owns a Clydell construction company up in Connecticut and they are very fanatical supporters of Santino, but I, I expect a lot more from that guy this year. And, uh, that, that didn't happen. Palou was, uh, you know, out-qualified him often. But now that's an open seat at Dale Coyne, which will realistically go to the highest bidder. It, it could be a guy we've not even heard of at this point in time, you know. Yeah. So, and then the and then the Foyt team, the Foyt team who had all the earmarkings of trying to get their stuff together this year, you know, they had employed Sebastian Bourdais to run several races with them. Um, along with Dalton Kellett, who brought some great funding to the team, and uh, Charlie Kibble, who brought funding to the team, and Tony Kanaan uh, to run their oval program. And the, the COVID-19, of course, 
wrecked all their plans, um, and Bourdais just did not sit in a Foyt car. Uh, he, he, he ran the car in preseason testing, and every race Bourdais was contracted for was canceled. And But he did end up in the car at St. Pete and finished fourth, which is their best finish in a number of years. I, mean, I know TK got a podium at Gateway a couple of years ago, but um, definitely, definitely, I think that's the guy that they need in the car who can really give the engineers the proper feedback. Now, Richard, you're a race engineer, and, and, and you're uh, familiar with the feedback. How how big how big is it for uh, the, the guys in the engineering department to have a, a driver who can really give them incredible feedback? Oh, huge. Huge without any... Um, any any stretch of the imagination, they um, you know when they have somebody like that involved, uh, the, the, the input and the feedback and the um, just calmness and experience head like that can provide is phenomenal. So they will benefit, excuse me, hugely from uh, having that experience there. So now that being said, did it feel like they didn't benefit a lot from TK for a couple of years? Mm. I mean, I, I know I know they've had a they've had rotating uh, they've had rotating doors in the engineering department too. They've had people come and go there, but uh, it just I don't know if uh, you know all the, the all the DNFs and all the craziness at uh, at St. Pete, you know, kind of elevated you know Bourdais into uh, finishing the top five. But uh, it, it certainly looks like um, this is a Bourdais is a real engineer's guy. You know, uh, oh yeah, I think he is, and and, and some drivers are. Like, you know, you can have experienced drivers that just don't get it, that don't provide the good feedback or the good input. But um, I think certainly you will see that with um, Bourdais. I think he's got the experience and that that little bit extra sort of uh, input into the team. Yeah, and Bourdais is confirmed for a full season at Foyt next year. Uh, which will be great to see Sebastian back in the series full time. Um, you know everything else it points up in the air. Charlie Kimball would like to return. Uh, Dalton Kellett still has the K line money. Um, Tony Kanaan still would like to do a, a, a do over on his farewell tour, uh, just on the oval races. Yeah, that may that may happen in the uh, you know the uh, number forty eight car Chip Ganassi for. Uh, uh, with Jimmy Johnson, or it may indeed happen in Foyt. So we'll have to see uh, what happens there. But but at the end of the day, the IndyCar season is over. Um, yeah. Quickly, <laughs> it seems to be. It, you know, it was like 141 days. But uh, you know, you know, it's nice that it really went into October uh, because the last couple of years we've been ending around Labor Day. So, but uh, speaking of speaking of seasons ending, we've got. Uh, the NASCAR season is drawing closer and closer to that uh, final race, um, and we race in Texas on Wednesday. We finished it on. We Wednesday. finished it on Wednesday. We started it on Sunday, and the weather didn't cooperate. But at the, at the end of the day, it was uh, Kyle Busch taking the win, which was too little, too late. But at at but it saves his 16-year-long. Um, streak of winning at least one race um, every year, although it really could have helped him earlier in the year 
because uh, he's already been eliminated from the playoffs. But uh, now, uh, Richard or Louise, what do you guys want to kind of jump in and let's talk about uh, who's in, who's out? Right now, it's just still Joey Logano that is in the championship for with his win at Kansas. Kevin Harvick has a, over 40 points to the good. He, it may take about two stages of strong, strong runs into two stages to get him in. But Denny Hamlin onwards, it's up for grabs. Where if Hamlin, he's still in, but just only about 24 or so points. <clears> if he <throat> has a bad outing, his dream season is the done for. And that is not. And Hamlin has been regressing. He said it during these post-race video conferences that sometimes results can be deceived. But yeah, he may have finished third or fourth, but he may not have had a third or fourth place, or he may have had a top 15. And this is mm-hmm. absolute disastrous for Hamlet to be in that spot going into Martinsville to not assure himself. It's Martinsville. It's a night race. It's the cutoff race. It's going to be chaotic. Martin Truex Jr. needs to win. Is it a night race? Yeah. yeah. It's going to end at night. Oh, my God. I, 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 okay, two years, ago, I went, two years ago, I went to the Halloween race at uh, Martinsville. And it was, and it was that, a day race. Huh? No, Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch won the year I went. It might have been three years ago. Oh. It's the one where Denny Hamlin wrecked. Uh, yeah. Den- Denny Hamlin wrecked Chase, but but it was so cold. I mean, it was we were freezing in the stands, bundled up in blankets. Uh, you know, I just can't imagine how much colder this is going to be on on a night race at, at this time of year. Uh, yeah, Texas was cold. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it said. But yeah, but yeah, but the cold, you know, cold affects the cars, it affects the tires. So, but uh, wow, <laughs> I didn't realize I didn't realize it was a night race. That that's just crazy. Yeah. To have a night race at Martinsville in uh, October. To briefly, yeah. To briefly wrap up my chase rundown, Truex, uh, Kyle Busch inadvertently might have cost Martin Truex Jr. a shot in the championship four, because Truex finished second, Christopher Bell got third. But, if, of course, you have the PJ one you have the track, you have the package. A lot of things that might have factored in why Truex didn't win. But at the end of the day, Kyle Busch winning was probably the absolute worst thing that Truex would have won in this situation. Yes, he's won in Martinsville twice now. He, he's no doubt one of the favorites. But that points penalty that he got during the pre-race on Sunday really probably bit him in the butt. And guys that really need to deliver along with Truex is Chase Elliott and Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch is done for unless he wins. He's eighty. He's well over eighty points behind the cutoff line. Elliott, it's in dire straits of a win. So that's what you have right now. Keselowski is hanging on by an absolute thread right now. He's hanging on by a thread. Yeah. So, but let's talk about the guys who are hanging on by a thread or or trying to get in, and and their relationship with Martinsville. Uh, Denny Hamlin has won several races at Martinsville. It's his home race. Uh, Keselowski is your most recent Martinsville winner. Well, he won this race last year. Um, Truex has won a couple times at Martinsville. So this 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 Martinsville race has the shapings to be a battle. Mm-hmm. It really and does think- because there, there's so much at stake for these guys, and you know o- only one of them can win it, and then you know only another guy can kind of sneak through on points. Um, and it's yeah, it's so close. It's so close. It's gonna be, uh, they're gonna be pulling out all the stops there. So that'll be exciting to watch. So, uh, oh, most certainly, most certainly, yeah. But with that on the line, oh man, we're gonna have we're gonna have a beast of a battle that'll come down to the last lap and maybe a couple chrome horns. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Martinsville is famous for. Uh, I yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. <laughs> I, I I never really followed NASCAR racing a lot. I was a big, you know, I I started watching sports cars in Formula One when I was young. Uh, I kind of started watching Indy cars, and even then, I I didn't really like Indy cars on ovals a lot. The uh, the first Indy car race I went to was at Watkins Glen. But um, I knew NASCAR existed. I was a little cognizant of it, but I really was never hooked on the sport until I went to a NASCAR race. And the first NASCAR race I went to was at Martinsville. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. This is awesome. And I really enjoyed it. I've followed the sport ever since. Yeah, and it was, uh, oh, I want to say at the end of that day, Jeff Bodine won the race. But you had, like, you know, everything everything in the world happened there from the, the, the leaders the, the two guys leading who happened to be teammates, I think it was Ricky Rudd and uh, Ricky Rudd and somebody else crash into one another to open the door for Jeff O'Donnell to take lead. But, yeah, I mean, Martinsville has the potential to produce a really fun battle. So, that being said, let's move on and talk about Formula One. Formula One, we're heading to Imola. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, before two day weekend too. Two day weekend. Yeah. yeah. Before that, but let's discuss the past race where Lewis Hamilton, who's your countryman, uh, mm. has now taken the record. Yes. Yes, indeed, and he is now the winningest Formula One driver. God, I hate that word. Winningest? Um, yeah, I don't think winningest is the real word. Yeah. Every time I try I to like when I when I'm writing a story, yeah. I write winningest. It just gives me that little squiggly yeah, red underline, yeah. So, but uh, but we always use yeah. that word. So, but uh, we do. But uh, now he's, he's he eclipsed uh, Michael Schumacher's record of ninety-one, so he's now got ninety-two race wins um, at a, another new track for for the teams, Porto Mau in uh, the Algarve there in southern Portugal. Um, again, as we've seen before a number of times this season, you know, Valtteri dominates all three practice sessions and uh, then Hamilton comes up when it counts on Saturday afternoon and nicks the pole. Um, you know, very impressive lap again, you know, great, uh, great performance there by uh, Lewis. So you certainly can't knock him for that. Um, but then beyond that going into the race, it was, a uh, you know, sometimes you, you look at Mercedes and you think they're just the fastest car period. You know, they just go out there and, and, and win. But what they did this weekend, I thought, was super impressive. The tactics that they implied with the tyre choices. So um, in Formula 1, in the second qualifying session that decides the top 10, the tyres that you set your fastest lap in Q2 on are the tyres you start the race on. And both Mercedes cars started on the medium compound tyre, the yellow sidewall tyre, whereas um, typically you'd start on the um, softest compound tyres to set the fastest lap. But... Mercedes were quick enough to get into the final qualifying session on the medium tyre. And, uh, you know, that obviously is an advantage because you can run a little bit longer on the first period, on the first uh, stint and control the um, the race. Yeah, but for the first three or four laps, it looked like it was, it was Bambi on ice. You know, the um, uh, Mercedes were all over the place, slipping and sliding. I, a number of times I thought Hamilton had an issue there. Maybe his curves or his uh, airs wasn't working. But, um, you know, he, yeah. they, all they were struggling was, you know, it was cold. It was a little bit of drizzle. They were just struggling to get heat in the tyres, uh, whereas the soft tyre runners like uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. and McLaren, uh, you know, they got out there and they, uh, they did the, the, you know, they got, sort of took the lead. And you thought, oh, you know, this is going to be great. Anyway, as soon as they got heat in the tyres, 
at, uh, at the Mercedes. They went up into the distance. You know, Bottas took the lead uh, with Hamilton following, and then it's uh, you know pretty early in the race, Hamilton passed Bottas and pulled away quite comfortably. Um, when they made the stops towards the end of the race, Hamilton went into the hard tire, and Bottas was wanting to go onto the medium, but uh, the, the team, oh sorry, go onto the soft. Uh, to try and catch Hamilton, but the team overruled that one, and uh, unfortunately they were just a little bit processional to the end there. But uh, you know, Lewis got his 90 second win, and uh, you know, I don't think you can deny, deny him that he's he's thoroughly deserves it. And uh, talking to some of the guys out there, you know, sort of not so, but reading comments by some of the guys out there, they certainly say that you know, if you compare the two, Schumacher probably had the better work ethic, whereas Hamilton's maybe that got that little bit more. Um, uh, you know, raw natural talent, and I don't think you could argue that, especially with the current generation of cars. The way he can manage the tyres and manage the performance of the vehicle is is very very impressive. Yeah, no question about it. That's why even when those tyres are dead, Hamilton still finds a way to make things work. No matter the adversity, no matter the situation, Hamilton is kind of you could say he's the student of the game right and the action. He's trying to know things right away, so he knows how to play play the game when it matters most and it has worked real well for him and i think yeah. that's why you see him where he is right now from day even going back to day one when he was with mclaren and i was seven but uh, oh yeah that's... you know well even before that you know when he was in gp2 you could certainly see you know the the potential that he had um you know was, was phenomenal so uh yeah because you can't um you can't he... knock him for that no yeah it's because Hamilton, like, I was watching the season opener on YouTube of GP2. Like, they were highlighting certain drives. Who's going to be the favorites? Who's going to be all those guys? Yeah, like, yeah. I think Alex Premont. I think only, like, one yeah. of them mentioned Lewis Hamilton deep into the guys to watch. And lo, we yeah. know the one further was the most successful of the entire bunch compared to those that either <laughs> just never got that F1 opportunity despite having such success in the lower levels and even A1 GP. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he's certainly been, I don't want to say groomed, because I think that's the wrong word, but he's certainly been, you know, um, built up for a number of years to, to sort of have that success. You know, he's part of the McLaren Young Driver program and uh, the like. So, you know, you, you, you certainly have to give him credit where credit's due. Yeah. Now, Richard, I want to throw this question at you, and it's more of a cultural question than a racing question but there so there's some there's some talk that uh lewis hamilton should be knighted for this accomplishment and mm -hmm. now i know there's uh there's an mbe and an obe and and, and, and an cbe yeah so now that evidently lewis already has one of these yeah. Is it the OBE? Yeah. There is a sequence to it that is. I think there is some sort of sequence to it. Yeah. So now, OBE. now I don't know that uh, you know the um, the honor of being knighted is uh, has been mm -hmm. given to people in sport plenty of times. You know, Sterling Moss for yeah. sure, Jackie Stewart. Yeah. So uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, what are you, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? Just as a you know a uh, member of the British Empire <laughs> yourself, um, um, is this? Uh, it, you know, I, I I don't know. You know, I don't know what you compare it to in the United States getting a uh, you know a medal, freedom, medal of medal of freedom or something or whatever. Yeah, presidential medal of freedom. Yeah, but I I, uh, I, I, I think personally I feel like uh, yeah probably not out of line to award this to Lewis. So, but let, let me just let me get your thoughts on it. 
Um, I think at any of these awards of this standing, uh, my personal opinion is they should be given to a, especially to a, a sports person uh, post career. You know, once he's retired and he's off doing, you know, whatever, um, you know, breeding dogs or whatever it is. Uh, you know, he. Uh, I think that's where you you step up with that sort of recognition and that sort of award. I, I don't think that it's something that you would give. Um, during a career, um, I may be wrong in that, but that's just my personal opinion. Oh, I was just wondering what your I'm not saying does, yeah, I was just wondering what your opinion was. I don't know if it's like a uh, you know, the, you can win an Academy Award, you know, while you're yeah, why have a, but but uh, the lifetime the lifetime the lifetime achievement of, award. So this yeah. being that is more of like a you lifetime. Give a, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, you would give a lifetime achievement award to uh, you know a twenty year old actor, would you really? Right. Um, right. Okay. All right, so no, I just you know kind of you know because it's you know, the cultural differences interest me, and I so but that that makes oh, that sure. makes perfect sense that the knighthood will be something reserved for as his racing career my, comes my to a close. Yeah, anyway, certainly my opinion, and and I can't think of many active athletes that have had that knighthood honor uh, for sure. I can't think of any. Maybe wrong, but uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Bradley Wiggins got one, the cyclist, but whether he'd retired before he come, before, before he finished, I'm not sure. But a lot of the, you know, and, and typically you'd give it to an athlete who is um, also, um, you know, heavily involved in charity at work and, and, and the like. And I know Lewis has done a lot for, um, you know, he's, he's the... the um, Just uh, this year you know, alone, that's shown yeah. an example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but I think yeah, I think there's no doubt he deserves to be knighted, you know, at the yeah. end and his career, you know. So yeah, um, so we're off to Imola. Yep. Um, so Ferrari's gonna win. No. no. <laughs> and, and and neither will Renault. They will not win either. No, no I think it's gonna be Mercedes win again. Um, you know, they deserve it. I mean, they're just too good right now. Nobody can touch them. Um, you know, they've, they've oh. got everything working, um, and it's all synced up well, and it's like a well-oiled machine, literally. And, uh, yeah, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't knock them for being good. Um, so how so, many, yeah. how many races until Lewis can just clinch the championship? One or two, isn't it? I, think. I was going to say, oh, yeah, I, I, I want to say he could probably. It will be this week. I think he's probably, he could, he could probably do it at Turkey, maybe. I'm thinking Turkey, but definitely Bahrain. He'll have it either if it's in the original layout or the quote-unquote oval. Well, yeah. So it'll be, you know, he, again, he deserves it. You can't knock him. You know, he, he's been very impressive again this year. Uh, you know, Valtteri's had flashes of brilliance, but um, you know, not not on a consistent enough basis. I do believe they'll clinch the constructors this Sunday, though. Yes. I, yeah. Yeah. Especially if Albon doesn't score much or Max has his occasional issues with the car. But we're going to have to wait and find out because, it's, again, like I mentioned, two-day weekend. They have, they kind of have that experience already when they – not the, at the Nürburgring. So could we see a similar story? Time will tell. When it comes to yeah, reliability I... and – Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, Formula One always—it seems to me—they have a uh, an overkill on practice sessions. 
So so for them to try a shortened weekend, I think it's a very neat experiment. Yeah. I mean, it could be worse. It could be like back in the day when there were four or five. I think three is the matching number. But people, I honestly always forget there's a, a third practice. I think like the two practices, then qualify. I don't really think much of the third session like at all. Yeah, the, that hour. But mind you, that, that the session that's taking the free practice three slot is going to be an hour and a half rather than the hour. No, for um, sure. So, so well, they, they do I, get a little... Uh, this week is different, but the other times where there's just three practices, then the third one is kind of like the yes. forgotten one. In a way, yeah, it, it's a little bit of a funky session there, but uh, yeah, I it's, don't know if that's necessary. Uh, I like the two on the Friday, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know if that's necessary on the yeah. uh, Saturday morning. Yeah, because in the States, they used to show only the second practice on speed, highlights of the first one, and then that's it for coverage until qualifying. Yeah. Back and back in the day, I remember this. What was it like? They had qualifying. They had like four or five practice sessions, then the warm up, and then the race. No. Yeah. I mean, they used to have like a Sunday morning warm up in the same way that IndyCar does. Yeah, that's so, yeah, um, that's one of the right. Yeah. Oh, heck, back in the, the yeah. first first Formula One race I went to, they had they had practice on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, there was a, that yeah. was sometimes the pre qualifying, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, because you, you had you had more. Yeah, you had guys that you had to knock those guys out before qualifying. Yeah, so. Well, those um, were back in the days when you'd have three. You know, you'd probably run three or four engines throughout the weekend. You know, you'd have a practice engine, a qualifying engine, and a race engine. So you know, yeah. it, was a, it was a completely different sport back then. Oh, certainly, yeah, it, it certainly was. Engines, yeah. Now it's all about tires. And now it's all about. Yeah. So we've only got a couple of minutes left, but I want to talk about um, Pierre Gasly, who has uh, been yeah. officially signed to stay. In the Alpha Tori next year, um, then there's a guy that yeah. won a race this year. So there's a lot of speculation that they would move him up to the Red Bull team, uh, mm-hmm. and you know move Alex Albon out to, you know, the pasture to go race Formula E or sports yeah. cars, or whatever. So, uh, so now that's yeah. it's settled that um, Gasly's not taking that ride, but there's a lot of other names associated with that ride, including you know Perez, Hulkenberg. Um, so, so what are what are your thoughts on this, Richard? Are we gonna? Uh, I mean, is does, has Albon hasn't really earned another shot in a Red Bull for another no, season? I mean, we, so we could well, talk about this one. We could talk about this till the cows come home, aren't we? In many, many ways. Yeah, but, but we could only but, actually we could only think, talk about it for four minutes. Okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm a, I'm a very firm believer that unfortunately, as much as Albon is a really good guy, and I think he deserves to be in Formula One at some point. I just don't think he's cut it uh, as much as I hate. You know, I hate to say it for the kid. You know, he's uh, a really, you know, he's got potential there, but just not quite. Um, yeah. You know what what they're looking for, and uh, I think that uh, I mean my personal preference, or not preference, opinion, is they'll pick Hulkenberg. As good as Perez is, I Perez. There's a question mark over Perez, I think, that maybe isn't there over Hulkenberg. Uh, I think Perez makes too many mistakes. Uh, I think Perez gets the majority of his performance from tyre management. Um, So I just think there's maybe something missing a little bit. And And you're not um, wrong in that regard, because look at the starts. He's not much of a starter. It's more of no. a progressive guy. He's I not, think. And I, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but he's not much of a racer, whereas I think Hulkenberg is a little bit more. 
And I think what Hulkenberg can do with Carr is maybe bring a little bit of calmness. And, you know, also you've got to remember Hulkenberg is a very amiable guy. You know, he's he's fun on the radio. He he can have a laugh and a joke. You know, him and Danny Rick were a great combination. You know, yeah. they, they played off each other really well. And this is not to and, mention that Hulkenberg twice this year – has had a step in on uh, with no practice or you know no uh, yeah and and performed rather admirably yeah oh for sure yeah yeah, yeah they, so, so this yeah he just kind of proved his worth right there that, that on a short notice hey throw this guy in the car and I, I want to say am I mistaken in uh, that um, Max Verstappen said he would like to have uh, Hulkenberg as a teammate I I haven't heard I mean it could well have been. Oh, well, but I mean, I think, you can't believe everything you read on social media, but no, uh... of course not. But I think, um, I think definitely, um, what's the phrase? I think Max needs pushing. Uh, I think you know he he needs somebody um, to you know give him that little bit of a drive and that 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 push because again, no disrespect to uh, Alex. He's just, you know, Max could probably drive, you know, with one eye open and still beat Albon. Yeah, he needs uh, to be I still would, I would still fully expect Max to beat, uh, you know, Perez or Hulkenberg. Um, but I think it would be a closer thing. And also, you know, uh, when you get very one-sided driver development, which is unfortunately what they have at Red Bull, you know, you can back yourself down a court into a corner and maybe not look at the bigger picture. Whereas when you have another experienced driver there, like Nico Hulkenberg, who can say, well, you know, yeah, I know you want to go down this route with the car, but if you thought about doing this, you know, if you thought about this setup, this configuration, this, um, you know, engine map or whatever it may be. So uh, I think it would be beneficial to the team in many, many, many ways to, you know, unfortunately look beyond Alex Albon and pick up somebody like Nico Hulkenberg. For sure, yeah. And then, of course, then there's open spots for uh, other guys to land. You know, Haas is still up in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, yeah, uh, and Williams, Williams. Out. you know, the, the per- mm. Perez to Williams rumors are still strong, which leaves George Russell out there for somebody to snatch up because that guy is definitely a talent. So, uh, But with that being yeah. said, guys, we are out of time. And I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank you, Louise. I appreciate you guys a ton. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Spreaker, and Google Podcasts. And especially, I want to thank all you folks that listen to us week in a week. But until next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 